welcome the father of this house, Bishop Flynn Johnson. Yes, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, praise his name today. Would you, um, I, I just, I love what uh, Carolyn just said a moment ago. For those of you watching and new to us, she is my wife uh, for 50 years. Amen. Um, and, and what I want to speak with you about this morning is something that we've been practicing for at least 10, uh, probably getting closer to 15 years. But what I'd like you to do is take a moment. Would you refresh the throne of heaven by just lifting your hands to him? This is an act of worship. It's an acknowledgement of his presence. And begin to, out of your heart, thank him. Thank him for keeping you. Thank him for restoring you in every way. Thank him for his protection around you. Thank him for bringing you to full maturity. Thank him that you are in the, you are in the heart, in the middle of his will. And that he's protecting you, he's keeping you. And he has fashioned you specifically for, for his will. That his assignment over your life is going to be completed. And that you are not just an accident, but you are an on purpose by God. Specifically, specifically to carry out his will and his purpose. Lord, we thank you today. As your church, we gather to hear. And not only to hear, but Lord, that we might obey. That we might participate in the very heart of what you have planned. These times we pray and we declare are our times, your season for us to grow, to multiply, to fulfill all that you've called us to be and all that you've caused, called us to do. For this we give you all the thanks today, Father. In the name of Jesus, clap your hands to the throne of heaven. Clap your hands to the King of Kings. They just sang, great are you, Lord. Bless his name. Bless his name. And aren't you glad that we are no longer afraid, but we're gathering back together again? Aren't you? Clap your hands for that. To the Lord for that. And for those of you that are joining us online, we welcome you. We just want you to know that Metro City is... The, the church is back in the building. Now we know there's a church that left the building. We know there's a church that never came in the building. But we want to celebrate today with all of us together and just thank God that we're back together. Amen. Uh, there was a song my brother wrote, we're finally back together again. Amen. So would you turn to your neighbor? And if you can, we'll be a little cozier. And if you just... Give them a good handshake. It's great to see you again. Is, your, is it all right to do that? Some of you have gone beyond handshaking. Others, you, others of you are actually hugging each other. 
You need that. Isolation is terrible. Amen. It's so good to see you this morning. I want to take a moment before we leave today. I want to take a moment to just capture, recapture the, the, the journey we've been on for the last several weeks. And, and I want us to just give ourselves an evaluation according to the word of the Lord. How well are we doing? And, and then I, if you find yourself that you can do better, then I want you to do better. Amen. And if, you, if, you, if something you've left out, I want you to include it so that you will not be lacking anything. Did you know it's the will of God that we lack nothing? Speak with your neighbor. Tell them it's the will of God that you lack nothing. We started talking about first fruits. We started talking about the, about the caused blessing. We started speaking about the power of first fruits in your life and what God can do for your life with this incredible instrument. But you do have to have knowledge. You have to understand it. Once you understand it, then you can walk in it. And I'm asking the Lord to, to give you a promotion today. I'm asking the Lord to grant you a, 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 an increase and a financial promotion. I think you're going to see what I'm, how many of you would say amen to that? I want that. I'm, I'm going to show you how to do it. For some of you, I want to just simply instruct how to get unstuck from the place you, you are. Now, some of you are stuck and comfortable. But what if God wanted you, desired for you to have more? Not just to have more, to do more. Are you there, saints? We started talking about God's motivation. You, and in fact, we began this journey in Malachi. In Malachi, the whole book of Malachi, from the first to the very fourth chapter, God is speaking to his people, correcting them so they can grow. You know if you don't get corrected, you, you won't grow. Amen. One of the ways you grow is you get, connect, you get corrected. You get corrected. Amen. Connected is another way, but we won't talk about that this morning. That's coming. God said to them in Malachi chapter 1, he made it clear to them, and he makes a proclamation about himself, and this proclamation about himself includes his people. He said in Malachi 1.11, from the rising of the sun to its setting, some would say to the going down of the same, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place, in every place, incense is going to be offered to my name. That is, worship is going to be offered in my name. And, and, and the grain offering that is pure for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. And I started rehearsing this because it really was an eye-opener to me how God was correcting them in Malachi because he could not be who he really, he, he, he could not show who he really was and how great he really is because the only way he does that is through his people. God wanted to reveal himself and he had chosen them to be the people through whom that happens, but they had a different mindset. And what was that mindset? We rehearsed it early. They would bring an offering. An offering actually is an exposure of your heart and your attitude. An offering, the way you, the way and what 
the way and what you give to God is actually an expose of your heart. It is also a demonstration of your love and your loyalty and your commitment. And so God said, when you bring an offering to me, or you can look at Malachi, it's amazing. He said, now, I noticed your mouth, you had beautiful, they were her, some of them were herdsmen. He said, you were beautiful herds, but you gave me the one that's lame, that's blind, and that's sick and almost dead. That's the, is that what you think of me? It's kind, it's sort of like asking your, your fiance, oh, fiance, yes, that was awesome last week, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like asking, it's kind of like asking your fiance to marry you and bringing her a piece of tin foil that you wrapped up and turned into a ring. Are y'all there? And worse than that, it's like bringing her one of those, you know, the, some of you don't, might not understand this, but you, uh, cigars have this little round label on I, Girl, I didn't know you smoked cigars. It's like taking a cigar, a cigar band, and say, will you marry me? She would think, really? I know the tradition for some today in terms of marriage is that the ring doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Look at your neighbor and say, yes, it does. All the ladies in the building say, yes, it does. Yeah, why? Because it's a demonstration of the passion, the desire, the love, the commitment of the person who is wanting you to give your life completely to him. Wow. And God said, you're going to bring me that? He said, if you bring me that, the, the heathen. Oh, by the way, he went on to say in the second chapter, why don't you offer that to your governor? Whew. And I, I heard the first time I said this, I was watching your faces. You went, oh, Lord. It was, you know, it's like disrespectful for you to offer something that's substandard, it's cheap, uh, uh, and, and costs you nothing. And to honor a person, you honor a person when you render to them a gift that costs you. <clears throat> Got quiet. Look at your neighbor and say, if it costs you, the one you gave it to, they know you meant it. Tell them what I said. If it costs you. And the Lord said, my people, listen to me. He's, he, went on and he, he went on to say, you know, there's a curse on the swindler who has a male in his flock and vows it. It means you promise when this male is, is at age, this, this great male specimen, when it comes of age, you're going to give it to me. You're going to care for it, you're going to feed it, and then you're going to give it to me. He said, curse is a swindler who has a male in his flock, vows it, but but sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord, for I am, here's what God says about himself, I am a great king. Are you there, saints? My name is feared among the nations. And we began speaking with that about you, and I want to continue this year to remind you and I that God's desire is to make his name great in your life, in our life as a church. Would the people say amen to that? God tested their motivation for giving. He, he, he looked at why are you doing this? God's motivation for our giving is pure. I wonder if our motivation 
in giving to God. I wonder how pure that is. When God says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives, is giving you the power. <clears throat> Have you found that Deuteronomy 8, 18? It's an amazing verse. And I, I, I do want to say that we've used the screens of, um, to put scriptures up, but you know, it used to be that we could find the scriptures real quick because we actually knew where they were in the book. If we knew what kind of what part of the book to look, you know. Now we have electronic instruments uh, that we, uh, we, we text them in. Well, Deuteronomy 8.18, check this out. It says, but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth. To make wealth. And why? Why? He gives us, God gives us his motivation for our giving. He says, I give, you, I give you power to make wealth that he, that is God, may confirm his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. When you understand the covenant God that God made with his people, he said, if you will love me and honor me and walk in my ways, I will make you great among the nations. In other words, the nations will look at you like, wow. Outsiders will look at you and say, what, are, what is it about? What, what's going on with you? I said earlier that many believers are living in a place that nobody knows that they're how great their God is. In fact, they judge many of us like everybody else. In fact, one of the things that I think is a, a, a tragedy is that many believers feel very comfortable as long as their living standard is like those around them. It's amazing to me what God says about his people and how he wants us to grow and how he wants you to flourish and how he wants us to spread out and to increase and to do it in a way that it magnifies his name. God said to his people, he said to them, he said, look, this is my desire for you, but really, when you give to me this way, not only does it dishonor me, it ties my hands by my own word. I can't do for you what I want to do for you. Can you imagine God in heaven? Can you imagine the Lord wanting to, excuse me, I want to have you thought about this. Somebody said, you ought to check this out. I read it in a book. He said that, what if you, if you, if you pass instantly from this life to the next, and, you, and he was talking about a person this happened to, and they came to a door. He said, what's in this door? The angel said, open it. And they opened it, and he walked in there, and it was stockpiles of stuff. He said, what's all this stuff? He said, well, it had your name on it, but we couldn't release it. Have you ever thought about what God has in store? In an interesting word. What God had in, has in store for you? And you say, well, Lord, if you got it in store, bring it on down. Send it on down, Jesus. Send it on down. Remember that song? Okay, yeah, well, saints, the Lord said, I'm not able to do it because something has not yet been made right in your heart. And that was an eye-opener to me, that God is desiring to do this. He delights in the prosperity of his people. So why aren't we? It might be because you're just comfortable. Um, you got quiet on it. All right. 
God's motivation is that he would have a people that are extremely prosperous, so much so that it advertises their God. And I'm going to show you today, my, may God give you the grace to receive this promotion today. And the Lord spoke to his people. He said, look, I want, a, I want a witness. I want a witness. I want you to be my witnesses. Check this out. This is in chapter, in Malachi chapter 3, uh, in verse 4 through 7. He said, I want you to be a witness. Check this out. A witness against the sorcerers. By the way, that sorcerers are drug dealers. I want, I want my people to be a witness against the sorcerers, the adulterers, the liars, those that swear falsely, against those who oppress the wage earner in his wages. In other words, I'm not going to give you what you earn because I'm going to get more. I wanna keep, I'm going to keep more. I'm not going to pay you what I'm supposed to pay you or what I could pay you. He said, I, I want you to witness against them, against the orphan. And those who turn aside the alien and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. He said, I don't change, therefore you are not consumed. From, day, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. And then the Lord says this to them. This is an amazing word. He said, return to me. Oh, come back to me. Isn't that, isn't that a song? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It's just, oh, you ain't heard it before. That's all right. Yeah. The, the, uh, the Bee Gees sang it, come back to me. I got a witness over here. God bless you. Sister. We won't tell them how old we are, but that's good. We, we good. Check this out. He said, he, he said, return to me. And then the Lord says this, and I will return to you. But you say, and this is typical of, of God's people, you say, how have we returned? What did they say? How shall we return? In other words, we are already here. How shall we return? And then the Lord says to them, he's, he goes on in chapter, uh, chapter 3, and he, instead of ask, answering their question, he asked them a question. Will a man rob God? You're robbing me. But you say, what do you, what do you say? How have you robbed, how have we robbed you? Doesn't that sound like our children? You know, when we catch them and they say it, and they, 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 use the, they use a negative question to throw us off to think we're crazy. He, he, they, they say, God, how, how have we robbed you? And then the Lord gets very specific. What does he say? In what? And then he says, you are you are cursed with the curse. You are robbing me the whole nation. What? The whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe. Circle that in your scripture or maybe highlight it in your, in, highlight it in your, um, in your electronic Bible. The whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be meat in my house or food in my house. And test me now. Test me now, the Lord says, if I will not open up the windows of heaven. And my storehouse has got your name on it. Somebody just talking about, I got a blessing in your name. What's the name of that song? Isn't that, in, don't you all know that? It's a Tasha Cobb. Am I right? 
Look at your neighbor and say, God's got a blessing. God's got a lot of blessings with your name on it. Now ask him, where is it? Where is it? Then I will, then the Lord said, I will, he said, he says, uh, I want to go fast and I, I, I don't need to go fast. Bring the whole tithe. Test me. I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until, come on, talk to me, saints. Until what? Circle that. And I'm gonna, how many of you want to live in that place where it's just overflowing? I'm going to show you in just a moment. And honestly, I have never spoken about this this way. This is the very first time. And when I saw it, I said, oh, my God. Immediately, I recognized where I am. And I think you will, too. It's an amazing thing. And I want to confirm for you, for your eyes and your heart, that God said, he said even, even, even in the beginning of his covenant, with, in the beginning with his people, if you will bring this in, the whole tithe, if you'll bring it in, I'm going to open heaven and I'm going to pour out for you so that it overflows. Um, fill me up. Isn't that right? How's it go? With your overflow. I want to. I want to what? I want to run over. How many of you want to run it over? Run it over. You want to run it over. Wave, wave like you really mean it. I mean, I mean, listen, you know, sometimes people don't respond to this because they want it, but they're afraid God won't do it. I think God showed me something else today that I want to show you that I think will change all of that for you. And it will change the way you think about first fruits. Now, now, one of the things the Lord began to speak to me, he said, I want my people, when they don't know my ways, they err in their heart. And, and, and you can't, you, you'll, you'll, you'll think, to err in your heart means to think you're right, to feel like you're right, but to be absolutely wrong. Has any of you ever had that experience? You just knew you were right, and something occurred, the truth came, and you were like, Oh, my God. How many of you have had that experience? Isn't it a daunting experience? I, I say this to you because if you, listen to me, if you feel and you think that you're right, but you're really wrong, that's called deception. Deception is when you believe something that just ain't true. There may, be, there may be many reasons why you, you, you believe it. Whoever said it, circumstances, how it made you feel. Many times you get deceived because you don't have enough information. Sounds like the, sounds like the modern day media, but let's, keep, let's, let's just keep going. I won't, I just won't even go there. But, but check this out. Write this down. God is always right. He is never wrong. God is always right. He's never wrong, and he cannot be wrong. He's not a man that he should lie. He is all man in Christ, but he's still all God. And God is never wrong. 
Write that down somewhere. Put it in your brain. God is never wrong. God is never wrong. God is never wrong. Because some of you sometimes get the feeling like God must be wrong or he made a mistake or he, or he ain't doing what I want him to do or he said and I didn't get it. No, God is never wrong. Never. Never. He is truth. He is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. Now, darkness and deception go hand in hand. That's why you, you hear them together in the scripture. When, God, when the Bible says God, there's no darkness in him, it means he's so full of light and truth until whenever, whenever truth, the truth of God comes, it exposes the darkness. That's why the Bible says the darkness could not comprehend it. We saw him, the only begotten son, full of grace and truth. I want you to get this in your mind because what I want to share with you for a second, you're going to feel like you've been right. But God is never wrong. You are, you are right sometimes. <laughs> you're right sometime give me the rest of the sentence not all the time God is never wrong I just can't tell you enough God is never wrong he's always right isn't that somehow that just helps my spirit he's never look at you tell you he's never ever ever wrong he is always right he's so awesome he can't be wrong <laughs> the enemy's job is to make you think he's wrong so that when, when we have an opinion about something that we believe is truth and it's not that means deception's been working there may the truth run the deception out of your life this morning are you still there so when we understand God's way, we understand his pattern. So when you look at first fruits, you, all through the scripture, this theme runs all through the scripture. Uh, Cain and Abel, Abraham and Isaac, Hannah and Samuel, Joshua and Jericho, the widow at, at, at Zarephath, over and over and over, all the way into the New Testament to the point where you get to the ultimate the ultimate first fruit, Jesus Christ himself. We celebrated last week his resurrection. Are you there, saints? And you should know, you should know that he is called the first fruits of many brethren. He's always right. So I'm going to give you one scripture. My, my, um, my uh, director pastor will be shocked that I'm finished as soon as I am. I'm going to give you one scripture and see if you can work with it, okay? Is that all right? We'll see if you can work with it. I hope you can. Go to Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. You have heard this a hundred times or more. If you've grown up in church, you've probably heard it 500 times or more. And God is always right. And he's never, ever wrong. We may be ignorant. We may be deceived. Are you there? 
We might even be stubborn, but God's always right. Would you read it for me? What does it say, saints? What does it say? Give, and what? It will be, excuse me, is there anything you don't understand about it will be? Give, come on, and it will be what? Given to you. How? What else? And? And? What will? Will be poured into your bosom or your lap. For with the thank you, I, I thank you that you got the will be. For with the same measure that come on, say it again. What with the what with the what? That you what? That you use. Come on, it will come on be. I'm going to ask you a question. Who said these words? Who said these words? He's always right. Tell you never. He's always right. I know that most people reading these passages have heard this scripture during offering over and over and over again to motivate people to give. Think about this verse in regards to first fruits. Notice that Jesus said that with the measure we use, it will be measured back to us. Notice that Jesus says that the measure that we use, look at your name say, the measure that we use. Now ask them a question. What is the size of your measure? Are you all breathing? I was barely breathing when I started reading this again. What is the size of your measure? Check it out. Notice that Jesus said, what's the size of the measure? Uh, um, we, he, he says, notice it says, Jesus said that with the, with, with the measurement we use, it will be measured back to us. We determine how much comes back to us, not God. Man, I, I was like, oh, Lord. I wanted to say like that person on TV, did nobody tell me? It's a lie, because they've been telling me the whole time. The whole time. So, I don't know how many of you have ever done any farming, but this is what far a farmer that, de that desires a 50-acre harvest cannot sow, excuse me, a, a farmer that, that, that desires a 500-acre harvest cannot sow 50 acres of seed and expect to get it. When the Bible talks about seed time and harvest, cold and hot, went, uh, cold and went, summer and winter, springtime and harvest, will will remain as long as the earth remains. There's some natural law that God placed that He wants us to function within. Now God is so powerful; He can supersede the natural law, but He requires us to function within those laws. So uh, he, you can, you know, plant 50 acres and say, come on, 500, come on, one, one, 500. But, 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 uh, or oh, he could get on his knees and he could sweat. He could start speaking in tongues. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? But, but, but he, he only planted, talk to me, he only planted. Somebody went ghetto on me and said, 50. Yeah. 
he must sow 500 acres worth of seed to get the kind of harvest he wants and he needs. So Jesus, he seeks to help us to understand that we determine the level of our blessing. We determine the level of our prosperity. That, that, that bothers many people. Because if, if you don't determine it, then it becomes a luck game. Then it becomes a favor game. It, it, you know, it becomes a status game. And we can, we can, we can, we can do whatever we think and we, if we're, we, we, do, we believe we're, we're, uh, we have a, a higher status, we get back more or vice versa. So when Jesus tries to help us, he gave us four levels to receive. Check it out. Four levels that can come back to us. The first level is good measure. Say good measure. The second level is press down. Say press down. The, th the third level is shaking together. And the, the fourth is running over. How many of y'all want them running over? Actually, I think most of you just be happy to get the good measure. Because the good measure, the, in Greek, it means sufficiency. It means I got everything I need. I ain't got to worry about my bills. You know, I got enough money to pay my bills. I'm doing good, girl. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? And a lot of God's people have discovered the minimum level and become comfortable there. So the measure they're measuring out is no different than any time before. They keep that measure and God keeps his word and that comes back. But before that, you were putting in a dollar every Sunday expecting God to meet your needs. You go to church on Sunday, put your dollar, because you had three offerings, so you can make sure you had three dollars with you. Am I talking to the right people? I'm almost done, believe it or not. So, so would you explore real quick? Good measure... It means sufficiency. As we measure out enough, as we measure out enough in first fruits time, we get back a sufficiency for our lives. And that is a good thing because most people when they come to Christ are insufficient. They're below. Their living and their lifestyle is bigger than their income. And they have to learn how to adjust that. And worse than that, they have nothing leaving their household as seed so God can multiply anything back. When you give in a first fruit and you, the measure you measure out is what you're going to get back. I just don't want you to let the enemy play, the, play a game with your mind. You have an expectation up here. Somebody said, a, you got a champagne appetite, but you got a Kool-Aid budget. Are you still walking? Are we still walking together? So check out 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able. Look up, somebody said, he's able. Girl, do you remember that song, he's able? Don't you know God is able? 
no, I'm sorry, y'all didn't grow up in that. That, that was like, y'all, that should have hit you right then. If those of you grew up in that, you know exactly what that is. God is able to do what? To make, are you at, your, are you at the scripture? Nine and eight. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Check this out. Always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Now, I, I got to tell you this. The first part, having sufficiency in all things is where people are basically, many believers have been walking with God and they've been tithing. That's, that's, that's where they are. And I thank God. Aren't you glad that God's given you everything that you need? I mean, none of you are running around here talking about, I ain't got no clothes, I ain't got no car, I ain't got no transportation, I don't have no place to stay. Because if you just look around you in the city, because iniquity has increased and unbelief is at, a, is at an all-time high, we have more people on the street. In have you seen it? Am I the only one that's seen it? You really want to sit, go where I'm going in just a little bit, go to California. It's unbelievable. When you came to Christ and you learned about tithing and offering, it changed your life. How many of you, when you look back in those beginnings, your lifestyle right now is at a sufficient level far above what it was when you came to Christ? If I got any witnesses up in here today. God is not a liar. He is never wrong. You still with me? But there's another level you need to go to. All sufficiency in all things is being self-contained. You don't have to look outside yourself to get your needs met because you have plenty to meet your needs without worry. My wife and I used to take all those bills and stuff them in the drawer. And I, she didn't do it. I did. I stuffed them in the drawer. God didn't want to see them. How many of you remember those days? You, had, you, know, you know you didn't have the money, so we just stuffed the bills in there because we didn't have, we, it wasn't enough. And God started dealing with pulling bills out. And then, and then he started to say, look how much you tithing. Are you really a tither or are you just playing church? How do you know whether you're a tither or not? You don't even know how much you make. How do you know you're a tither? You don't even know how much you make. How can you tithe on what you don't know you make? Because tithing comes according to how much you've made. Once you've made it, now you calculate 10%. That's yours. wasn't that way in the beginning. We were guessing, hoping. And then people slip a, slip, a, slip, a, slip a $20 bill in your pocket and you stick it in there and you forgot to give God his $2. Uh, anybody breathing here today? Somebody take you to dinner, you was hungry. They say, would you come on there? Oh, I'd love to go eat with you. And you go have a great meal and, and order $50 worth of food. And you never, you never, they paid for it. You didn't pay for it. He never said, Lord. God was having mercy on you. He was given to you, even though you didn't deserve it. But you were still insufficient. And then you started learning, and all of a sudden you started thinking, oh my God, like I'm going to try it. Because you do have it. It's faith, right? You got to try it, right? You know, if somebody told me when we started this, my wife and I started it, said, give yourself three months. Then, then don't even worry about it. Just give yourself three months. Just do it. And then look back and, and add it up and show. She'll say, I'll show you what God did. 
And many of you got to that place, you, don't, you know, you didn't worry. Man, you know what? We, we stopped having a drawer for bills that ain't been opened in, in, in three months. Didn't want it. Didn't want it. Didn't, didn't know what to do with it. Didn't have the money to pay it. Didn't think we did. And then we started facing it, and and we started obeying God first. Look at your name. Say, okay, obey God first. We got to all. We, God made a sufficient, so we weren't scrambling. We weren't afraid we we're going to get kicked out of the apartment. We weren't afraid somebody was going to repossess the car. We weren't afraid that, that we, we didn't have but, but a dollar left and, and we still got a week of groceries. All that left when we started obeying God. But guess what? We had to obey. God had already sent his word. We had to obey that word. Are you still breathing? But there's another level. When we increase our giving and go to shaken together, this dimension is, is one which the ability to receive and contain increases to even more. Shaken together means you got the same container, but you shake it and, and the grain goes down further so you, can put, you get more in. And many of us, had, we started tithing, but we didn't calculate. We did not calculate where it was coming from, exactly how much it is. You know what is so horrible? We know that our heart's not right when God's blessing us and we don't even know how he's blessing us. Those of you that want a promotion today, I want you to think about it differently. I was listening to, where are my friends? Uh, Derek and Regina. I saw them somewhere. I was listening last night to Dave Ramsey last night. It's just, it's really amazing that God has used him. But what was, what was, always impressive he says one of the first things you do if you want to move forward financially you got to figure out how much you're making if you don't tell your money where to go it will tell you where to go and all the people said amen to that shaking together is, a, is another dimension where not only are you all sufficient but now you're starting to accumulate are you there and then the, the, uh, then the next level is running over. I missed one. Press down. There we go. I, I knew that it wasn't clicking right. Press down means there's more room for more to come. Are you there, saints? And by the way, I believe what's pressed down is the anxiety and the unbelief and the stubbornness in our heart. It, it's now the pressure upon that is, is causing us to, to, man, you know, I believe God. And, and do you know how, many, how few people are willing to, to take a risk? You created all the debt. God's trying to turn your whole financial situation around, but you won't take a risk and take his, his 10% out that he owes, is his anyway, and, and render to him and allow him to help you to make more out of the 80 or the 90% than the whole 100%. When you, when you get that, God starts, you start accumulating. Now you got three dresses. Lord, have mercy. Now you can't get a dress in your closet. You had two pair of shoes, one for out, one for in, and the one for in was slippers. Now you can't find a place to put your shoes. 
Somebody need to stand up and say, hey, man, I know you're right, Bishop. You're right. You're right. You, you, what am I, what am I, some of you need to go into the shoe business. Take all them shoes you ain't worn in five years. You could, you, could, you could sell them shoes, have enough. Lord, have mercy. I, I, I want to give you a promotion if you're willing to take it. This is where we have so much challenges. All sufficient, but we don't grow in our dream. And by the way, please remember this. If you don't go with that dream, you won't grow either. You've got to grow with that dream that God gave you. That thing is not, that, that's not, that's not an accident. God puts that in your heart. And when you, when you abandon that dream, you abandon the plan. When you abandon the dream, you abandon the stream of income coming out from you that will bring the dream to you. But if you'll get a hold of that dream again, it is amazing. Many of God's people are just comfortable. They're just at ease inside. Hi, what you doing? Chilling. Where are you? On the balcony. What you doing? Sipping iced tea. Rhode Island. Where they are putting test two, one, two. The real deal is God is trying to, He's trying to make you matter so His name can be great. That's why you must not abandon your dreams. Go back and get them. Some of you have a dream book, you still got dust on it, you ain't looked at it in years. Get the dream book back. Open it up. Update it. Some of that stuff you wanted, they don't even make anymore. Some of that stuff you wanted to wear, they don't even make it no more. You got to go to the, you got you to go to the, what you call that shop? The second hand shop to get that stuff. You. Thrift store. Thank you, man. I want to give you a promotion today. Go back and, and identify what is it. And if you don't know what that is, it's time for you to go before God. It's time for you to get with your sweetheart. It's time for you to get before God. To God, the, the things that I want, I used to want. Let the Holy Spirit bring back to you the things that you really, listen to me, let him bring back the lifestyle that you saw yourself living. Let him show you what he wants to do with you in his kingdom. This is why this first fruit season is so important. Tap your neighbor and say, go get the dream back again. The running over is, is, is so incredible because running over is the power, is the power to change lives. When your resources are running over, oh, by the way, money, Lord have mercy, money will just reveal what you already are, right? I mean, if you're a, hood, if you're a hoodlum, when money comes, you just be a bigger hoodlum, right? 
If, if you are drunk, when money comes, you'll be a lush drunk. If you, if you, if Lord, if you are a benevolent and a giving person and you are generous, when money comes, people get blessed. So I like, I need you to abandon your selfish little bitty PT Ninchi dream. And go back before the Father and Father, what did you have in mind for me? Let the Holy Spirit ignite your imagination again. And then tap into the ways and means of the Father that will absolutely take you there. Are you still there, saints? Make this first fruit season the best ever. Look for places. You know when you're overflowing, you look for places to be a blessing. You, you, when you're overflowing and you, you know, you're not worried about you're not worried about anything you have in your possession because when it's overflowing you got everything insured hello somebody bam hit your car well I guess I got a new car you ain't crying oh God oh God, oh God. like you ain't never gonna get another please when you're running over you got everything insured house insured all appliances insured Jewelry insured, cars insured, your babies are insured, you insured. You ain't worried about, well, well Lord, you're Lord, you going to fall, slip, break your neck, go have to go to the old folks home. No, you insured, you go where you want to go. When it's full and overflowing, all that worry, it, it, it's gone. And the Lord lifts you to a whole nother place. Some of y'all, you... Some of you all, you, you, you lose it, you break it, you just have a conniption. You're just out. Oh, Lord. Some of you, some of you would half kill your children. Like it's the only thing they won't ever have in their life. Oh, my mama. Oh, Lord, have mercy, Jesus. <laughs> How many of you had kids that they break it? They bust it. They lose it. When you're full and overflowing, Guess what? And then you can even evaluate whether I give you another one. Uh, all right, so we're going to go in a minute. So how do we go? Here's how I want you to go. I want you to rethink about that. Because when you're, when you're full and overflowing, it means there's nothing that you need that is not already supplied. The scripture is already full for my God shall. Come on. How? Of his riches. According to. By. So some believers really don't think in their heart they can ever get there. But I want you to, if you're sitting with your wife or friend, take their hand. He said, it's in your hands. It's in your hands. I don't care what level you are. You're not sufficient yet. I promise you in the name of Jesus. Learn his way. Obey his way. You need to know his economics. When you learn his economics and you realize, oh, okay, what do you do? Well, I start ground level. You start everything that comes in. I calculate it. Lord, I, in, in representation of all of this, that 
is yours. Some of you are smart enough to put that on automatic withdrawal. Because you know it's it. You ain't got to calculate that thing. It's just bam! So you don't worry about it. The only thing you have to be concerned about when you put it on automatic withdrawal, when God starts, <laughs> God starts causing multiple streams of income to come in your life, now you can say, oh, 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 oh Jesus, oh, oh. <laughs> How many of you want that problem? Man, that man. And, you know, multiple streams start coming in. You start getting stuff like Cash App and Zelle and what's another one? Fitmo. Fitmo and what else? Google Pay. PayPal, you know, all of a sudden here, 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 20, here, 100, here, 50. He said, Oh, whoop, yeah. thank you, Jesus. How many of y'all love that? Isn't it sweet? But listen to me. Th that time, that is a test to see if your heart is at rest with God, His desire to give you the best. <laughs> but you have to make a decision and then when you you'll, you'll know the promotions come when you've calculated everything at the end of the month and you still got more money left are you breathing this morning, you, you said, we, we got money in the bank. You got money? Yeah, we got money in the bank. All the bills paid? All the bills paid. We got money in the bank? We got money in the bank. Look, look at your neighbor and say, now God wants you to graduate from there. Tell your neighbor, God wants you to graduate from there. If you want full and overflowing, stand on your feet. If I want full and overflowing, stand on your feet. Okay, so this is what is really sobering. What's sobering is that the Lord, he enacts the, the power and, and the principle, but we have to draw on that with our obedience. So God has fixed it, now you got to work it. God put it in place, but only you and I can say, okay, Lord, I'm, we got I'm, this is a, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. So when, when first fruits season comes, it's really special. I, I want to finish tonight. Well, it's not a nice day. I want to finish this morning well, saying, by saying to you that if you only have one, you can only have, you may only have one first fruit season in your year. Or when God starts moving you to overflow, you'll have to have several first fruit seasons because he'll give you breakthroughs in other areas. Are you hearing what I'm trying to say to you? And if you'll get this in your heart, because God's trying, what is God trying to do? He's trying to make, come on, come on, what is he trying to do? His name great among you. And how will he do that? He does it with your heart is right. You are willing to express your love to him. Oh, I forgot to tell you. Look at your neighbor. He said, if you're giving first fruits doesn't hurt, it's probably not the right figure. Because you don't step into faith until it's a sacrifice. 
You don't step into, if you're going to raise that animal, you're going to feed it, it's, and it's the best one and the first one, and you say, here, Lord, ooh. When you do that, God says, okay, you get me. You trust me. You don't believe it? Ask Abraham. The first one, the best one, it's a sacrifice. You release it. Whatever you do, don't go get it back. The first one, the best one, you gather it up. Lord, Lord, why? Because I'm, I'm already tithed on what came, but now I'm looking at what I want to come. Lift those hands to the Lord. You're joining us online. If you've never participated in First Fruits, it's a great time to do that now. Look at the year coming and say, Lord, I want you to bless me. And ask the Lord, what should I? This is not a command. This is God will drop the figure in your heart. And when you, when you say yes, then you say yes to the blessing. Give God your first and your best. And his anointing and blessing will fall upon the rest. Give God your first and your best and his anointing will fall and his blessing will fall on the rest. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this first fruit season. I thank you that for some, it's just the end of one phase and the beginning of another first fruit season because of what you're going to release as another form of income, as another stream of income, and as an increase in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father, for those who have wanted to start businesses, who begin those businesses. They will give you a first fruit from that business so that it will be perpetual and that it will be blessed. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for those who understand this principle. They're not afraid of it. They know you're always right. I thank you for removing every bit of deception from us. Thank you for the mighty increase. May your name be great among us. In Jesus' name, clap your hands and give him praise. Amen. <laughs>